We at Gilded Age would like to start today's episode off with an acknowledgement of the life and work of Michael Brooks, who passed recently. Michael was a caring, intellectually rigorous, compassionate soul who touched millions of lives. We'd like to extend our condolences to his family, friends, and fans. There will never be another like him. Today on Gilded Age, we are joined by author, professor, and scholar Roy Scranton. Uh, Dr. Scranton is the author of a number of books. Uh, we all read um, Learning to Die in the Anthropocene, Reflections on the End of Civilization for our last podcast, and we're all incredibly enthralled with that book. Um, uh, Dr. Scranton has also written several other books, uh, War Porn, uh, We're Doomed, Now What?, uh, Total Mobilization, World War II and American Literature, uh, and uh, I Heart Oklahoma. Um, he is the assistant professor of English at the University of Notre Dame, um, and he got a master's uh, from the New School for Social Research, followed by a PhD in English at uh, Princeton University. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Dr. Scranton. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So I guess to, to start things out, we all read Learning to Die. Um, how has has the the outlook changed since that book was written? Because that was uh, published in 2015. Right. Uh, the the essay that that grew into that book, I think I was I wrote that in 2013, um, and then. Um, uh, wrote the book, uh, sort of put it together pretty quickly, uh, and then and then published it. Yeah, in 2015, um, and even at that point, it felt like it was sort of hard to keep up with um, the the changes going on in the uh, global climate system, uh, and to keep up with uh, ongoing research. Um, and also to keep up with the changing uh, political situation, right? Um, all of which I, I talk about in, in the book. Um, since then, you know, um, it might be an understatement to say things have gotten worse, right? Uh, it's, um, global warming continues to uh, accelerate, uh, it seems. Um, the science, uh, gets more refined, uh, the, the predictions, uh, get better. Although, you know, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of, um, there's still a lot of, uh, unknowns, um, at work. Um, and it's still, you know, it's predictive science. So it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of it's predictive science. So we, we just, some of it, we don't know until it, until it happens. Right. Um, yeah, but you know, the process is especially the, the, the key, um, aspect for me, um, and, uh, some of the research that I was doing sort of concurrent with writing, uh, learning to die, uh, is, a, is, uh, is the Arctic, right. Um, and how rapidly and, and massively the, the Arctic is changing. It's, it's, and that's sort of ground zero for, for what's happening, what's going to be, what is, and what's going to be happening globally. Um, yeah, so it's accelerating across the board. Um, you know, impacts are, are worsening. Um, everything just seems to be hurtling faster toward, toward or past a point of, of no return. And at the same time, the political situation, um, you know, whether we read the kind of new nationalist politics, uh, and resistance to immigration and, um, whether we read that as, uh, like a direct result of climate of climate change insecurities, or whether we read it as symptomatic or somehow related, um, you know, I mean, I think we can have have genuine disagreements about how closely we might connect one phenomenon to the other, but I think there can be no doubt that they're connected. Uh, and I think, um, you know, the 
Yeah, there's just the, the I mean, clearly the political situation continues to worsen um, across the board. Um, and so overall, I feel like, uh, um, you know, my, the, the worries, uh, the concerns um, that I had, uh, that I articulated in 2015, um, have, have been, uh, have been justified and, and even sometimes, um, um, exceeded, um, by events and processes in, in the real world. Um, yeah. So, so when you say concerns, we're, we're not just talking concerns. Your, your exact words were, um, I believe in the, in the introduction to that book is we're fucked. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. has, has the calculus changed? Since then, uh, is the tech has the technology advanced? Do you feel any any sort of uh, anything hopeful on the horizon? Not really. Um, oh, good. It's, I mean, there's <laughs> it clearly there. I mean, there have been advances in um, uh, there have been in, uh, advances in solar technology and and wind technology, um, but nothing that's really changed the the game. Um, you know, while the, you know, the use of, of renewable power continues to grow, it's still basically irrelevant in terms of, of global energy flows. Um, yeah. So, and, and, you know, it's nice to see that there was just news about, you know, Microsoft going to, um, carbon, carbon zero, zero carbon by 2030 and these sorts of things um you know there's an there's increasing um i guess left of center public awareness of the, the um seriousness of the issue and uh increasing corporate attention uh in certain sectors of the economy um to trying to come into line with um, as kind of carbon neutral future, um, you know, and, uh, there have been, you know, there've been, uh, agreements like the Paris Accords and there's been, uh, you know, movements like the Sunrise Movement and Greta Thunberg's activism. So there's been ways in which it's become the, the problem, the urgency of climate change has become, um, uh, a, a bigger public issue more people seem to be aware of it and 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 worried about it um and there's been at least some like gestures toward movement on the on the corporate and political side aoc's green new deal for example um nevertheless uh you know the the distance between uh what would need to be done to actually completely transform the global the global economy into not just carbon neutral but like negative emissions right <laughs> in order to start like drawing carbon out of the atmosphere to start drawing um co2 levels down to a safe level um the the distance between what would need to be done to achieve that in order to slow down or stop cataclysmic global climate transformation and biodiversity collapse, ecological collapse, which is a separate but related issue, and the actual like political processes and machinery we have to get there is, um, it still seems infinite. Like it still seems like we haven't, for whatever has been gained in the last few years, like we have in no way closed the gap between what needs to be done and what um, seems politically and practically feasible given the social technologies we live within right so i still think we're i mean we're we're still totally fucked right um if you you know the the this whole um the u.s government's response to cor the coronavirus uh the novel coronavirus COVID 19 outbreak is is an indicator of that was one of our questions um, we were going to ask. Okay, we were, well, <laughs> no, 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 please don't, please don't. No, it's 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 great, it's great. You uh, you sort of went there without without right. our prompting. 
it's an indication of uh, you know the corruption and in and uh, the the corruption of swaths of the ruling elites, um, the incompetence and 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 frankly like the structural instability of uh, of big the large government um, administered administered society in which we live right um, uh, and um, just the um, I don't know uh, political irrationality of large groups of Americans and and just I don't know. It's it's indicative of of a broad sense of what I don't know nihilism. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to characterize it exactly, but it's not a good if you know if you're expecting the world to come together, if you're expecting the American people to come together, if you're expecting corporations and government to come together to 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 fight and stop global warming. And then you look at how all that worked with, with a clear, a, like immediate a, a clear threat. immediate threat, then I don't see how you can be anything but like abysmally pessimistic right, <laughs> about, about our hopes for, for well, that's good. You know, look, look, uh, we, we, we strive here to, to tell our, our listeners to be abysmally pessimistic. <laughs> Um, uh, so, so do you see then any meaningful difference in, um, between what, what both major parties are, are offering in terms of, uh, end result, I guess? Well, I mean, yeah, I clearly there, there are, you know, major differences. I haven't looked closely at, um, uh, Biden's new climate plan. Um, you know, it's, it almost feels like it should go without saying, but it, it also feels like maybe it should be said that I mean, clearly Trump and the Trumpist Republican party, um, are, uh, you know, the, in, in, in what they've done to dismantle environmental regulations, to fight, uh, to even, you know, prevent, government bodies from discussing climate change as an issue. Uh, it's been not just like dangerously uh, inactive, but, but actively pernicious and destructive. Um, so, I mean, that's, there's a difference between that and, um, you know, a kind of uh, phantasmagoric notion of, um, corporate green infinite growth <laughs> progress that the Democrats are, you know, have and will likely continue to to sell as their sort of like, you know, they, you know, for for my from my point of view, the, the the liberal side of the equation, the Democrat side of the equation is, you know, it's um, it's capitalist apocalypse with a human face like it's just it's the nice version well right that's, um, that's so that's sort of what i was asking like if yeah. the end go, if the end is is apocalypse you know we you know we according to what there's not a scientific consensus now uh and and i mean there can't really be about when we might cross a, a tipping point into irreversible um irreversible warming where the process goes out of our control there's not really a consensus about when that can happen there's it's an argument uh scientists are arguing about when when we cross that threshold and and but there is agreement that there is a threshold there's i i'm there's agreement that that there that at a certain point right that it, it's gonna um it will move out of our, our ability to adjust. Um, and, uh, but there, scientists in, you know, reputable uh, journals like science or the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences um, 
our warning that we may have already crossed that threshold, right? Um, it might already now today be too late to slow down and slow down or stop climate change at, in terms of the carbon in the atmosphere and the feedback dynamics that have, have been initiated. Like that's not, not even addressing the, the political question of whether it's politically possible. We may have already, we may have already passed the point where it would be simply physically possible to stop the geophysical and, and climatological processes that we've initiated. Uh, um, but even if, even if it's not too late, right, our window is, is rapidly closing, right? Even if it's not too late, it would need to, the, 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 the revolution in global social systems, uh, economic systems and energy systems would need to happen within the next 10 years at best, right? Um, and that's simply not on the Democrats' like to-do list, right? They're not gonna, uh, it, and it's just because it's not, it's not feasible within capitalism. It's not feasible within within American government structures. It's not feasible with with the Senate and the House and the Constitution, like structured the way they are, right? Um, like there's just it, it just what we're talking what you're what we're talking about and what scientists have been calling for um, in in response to global warming is a is a wholesale transformation of society right social values uh, energy systems like how we work how we organize our life how we eat how we get around it all has to change. Um, and I just don't see a pathway to that um, within any within any um, contemporary political system. Uh, so, just so I understand what you were saying um, about the sort of point of no return, and and whether or not we're we're at this point where we can't really control the you know, climatic um, situation that we're in. Um, is, is it? Does that mean? Like if we were to, let's say somehow, you know, Biden wins and he actually does uh, change personalities and becomes a huge climate activist and actually sticks with like yeah. the, the the policy that the, his advisors and Bernie's advisors came up with. I, I'm pretty skeptical, but let's say it does happen. Somehow he gets a unified government. They work really hard. And then we influence other countries because we're doing it. Like, does would that slow our impending doom a little bit, or do you think it's still basically on the same trajectory? Like, like instituting extremely green policy immediately would delay, like I don't know, the death of our grandkids by ten years or something like that. Yeah. So this is, um, I mean, at this this shifting the question into the the realm of of sort of. The, how fast, how slow um, amelioration seems uh, questionable to me because it seems like you're trying to negotiate with the apocalypse. With the apocalypse, right? <laughs> you're trying to negotiate with death. Um, and let me say, first of all, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it's plausible that if this implausible scenario you're you're painting were to happen um uh somehow the democrats take the senate and biden can form complete sentences again and <laughs> you know they they're going to push through they they prioritize they put aside they put aside all other all other political priorities and they're able to get everyone on board to prioritize a decarbonization, um, and then somehow either influence or force other countries um, to to go along. Um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, undoubtedly, if that's leading to less carbon being put into the atmosphere, that's better, uh, and it will slow down the acceleration. But part of the issue, so but part of the issue with um, this 
this sort of idea of the tipping point where and 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 the feedback dynamics is that you know once we hit that point um which we get closer to with every ton of carbon in the atmosphere if we haven't already passed that point right um which we may have right when we hit that point sort of it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how much it doesn't matter really anymore how much carbon we're putting into the atmosphere because the planet start, is putting so much more carbon into the atmosphere, right? From the Siberian permafrost, from po- right. possibly from methane uh, under the Arctic Sea um, and carbon, what had been carbon sinks like uh, the Amazon forest become um, carbon sources, right? Uh, which is already happening in parts of the Amazon. Um, or the coral you know, reefs, or the coral reefs, like all over the world, what we're seeing, we're seeing this already happen: is that carbon sinks are turning into carbon sources. Um, carbon, locked up carbon, is being released. Um, these are the feedback mechanisms, and and once they start to, once they become sort of self-driving, then it it's it's not such a big deal how much whether we're putting in a little bit more or a little bit less carbon, that's a question of sort of the speed um, at which we reach, I don't know, uh, unimaginable horrific apocalypse. Um, but, but the, you know, the, the bigger, the other issue is that um, it's not like, you know, we hit apocalypse and then, and then everything changes that day, right? It's not like a nuclear war kind of apocalypse, right? What we're going to see, what we are seeing, and what we will continue to see more of, is the pro- is a profound destabilization of uh, the the ecosystems that human beings depend on uh, for their to to live, right? Um, and that's going to have uh, that has political um, and uh, direct um, and indirect consequences um, that are going to profoundly destabilized uh, the the world the political world that we live in um and cause immense suffering and we're all still going to be here like we're still going to be here we're going to zoom we're going to go to the grocery store it's going to be like 100 degrees outside in june or whatever and you know uh we're going to see increasing like increasingly violent nationalist politics against against immigrants because there's there's millions of people displaced by drought and climate change right so we're just gonna it's just gonna be what we're seeing now but like more and more and more and more um entropy so you know you could we could slow that down a little bit but like i don't know what that means exactly i don't know how that's a victory four years People said there were certain things that humans couldn't change, like the weather or the sea level. But today, thanks to a revolution in energy technology, we can finally step out of the dark ages. At Chevron, we are leading the way forward on planet customization. We believe our customers deserve a world crafted to their vacation needs. Want oceanfront property, but in the Midwest? No problem! live in the northern hemisphere but want tropical weather we've got you covered our drill masters have been in the business for decades and know exactly how to reach that elusive point of irreversible climatological alteration because we believe our customers deserve better here's how it works we extract only the finest natural ingredients from the earth to make our blended artisanal oils when those are burned They release their raw elements into the atmosphere, and in no time, you're sipping single malt in board shorts in January. Chevron, pushing humanity towards climate dystopia every day. So if and when we we cross that precipice, it it sounds like we're just going to be, our hand will be forced into this radically different way of living rather yeah. than rather than so our way of our way of life our way of society will die um 
do you think that there will be mass actual death or is it just going to be death in the old political order, the old societal order, the old economic order that we'll just be forced into? I, uh, I mean, we are seeing, we're already seeing and, um, the changes in our societies and in our cultures. And that's, I mean, you know, social change is a, is a constant, I guess, right? Um, and human beings will, will adapt. Um, that's what we're really, we're really good at adapting um, and forgetting that things were radically different 10 years ago or five years ago. Um, and sort of accepting a new a new normal, um, and so we are we will we will adapt uh, to the situation and, and somehow rationalize it. Um, you know, there it's likely that we will see because of climate change and and ecological collapse um, that we will see um, food supply problems. Um, massive food supply problems in the next few decades, in the next couple of decades. Um, uh, it's likely, and this is from, you know, this is from what the scientists tell us and things like the IPCC reports, and it's from what studies from groups like the World Bank and Lloyds of London have, have put out. Right. We, we, talked, we talked a little bit Pentagon. about this, that for every degree of warming, it's 10% less crop yields. For cereal, yeah. cereal crops, right, right, and and the and the the food, even the food that is still growing, isn't it? Isn't as nutritious. Yep. Thicker leaves and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it actually um, contains less. Can the the they can the vegetables growing as as the carbon dioxide increases contain fewer nutrients. Um, they they do less, you know, for you. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, there's there's that that direct threat to um, to population. There's um, the likelihood of of further pandemics. Um, um, there's uh, you know, I mean, in in some areas, uh, you know, say in uh, around the Persian Gulf or in India or. Um, in equatorial regions, actual like heat death uh, from it just being too hot. Um, we're going to see increasing um, problems with water supplies uh, as glaciers melt and disappear in the mountains, especially in Asia. Um, we're going to see deaths from um, hurricanes and storms and flooding, and and then and those are the sort of those are sort of direct impacts. And then the, the real killer is going to be the, the second order effects, right? Um, people, uh, not being, people not being saved when there's a, when there's a storm that hits a city. Um, if you look back at some, you know, like Hurricane Katrina, you look at Puerto Rico, right? It's, it's not so much that people were like directly killed by wind or rain but by the failure of the human systems in place right um and sometimes seemingly deliberate failure um you know so there's going to be that kind of increase in death that, that's what that's what that this covid pandemic was, was so alarming about that is how right. how vulnerable and fragile these i mean people will virologists and people will say like this is just a warm-up for what nature can there That's right. COVID pandemic. Yeah. And we we seem to be the disruption that it's caused is just yeah, our inability yeah. to do the right thing when it's yeah. obvious what the right thing is. Right. It it is totally preventable. Like it totally um could have been handled in a you know, you couldn't have prevented you couldn't have had zero deaths, but really like <laughs> you know what's happened is is, is we could have had domestic supply chains we could have had you could have had domestic a single yeah. play, a single payer system to ensure yeah. that nobody falls through the cracks this is right there could have been a coordinated federal response 
uh, yep. for, you know, way sooner uh, playing hospitals and masks and just, yeah, just, there could have been maybe a president that doesn't politicize the science. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, this is the, so there's going to be these kinds of failures where it's the human systems and the political systems that either through some kind of intentionality or through failure or a combination of, um, corruption and malfeasance and institutional failure and um, just the, the cascading complexities, um, we're going to see people die uh, from, from that. Um, and then also, uh, also war, right? Also civil wars and interstate wars. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know whether the, the current, um, seeming exacerbation of conflict between India and China and the Himalayas um, could be traced in any way to climate change or to water issues um, or if it's or if it's an unrelated phenomenon but we're going to see you know we we will see interstate conflict we'll see conflict like the civil war in Syria um, which while you know the the case that it's directly a result of climate change is not, um, we can't really, you can't scientifically say that, um, there, there is a clear connection between, um, rising temperatures and aridity in the Middle East and drought and failures of agriculture in Syria and the beginning of the Syrian civil war, which, you know, led to massive conflict across the, the Levant, and then, and then, and, and it's been part of what's been driving, you know, um, anti-immigration politics in Europe for the last 10 years. So like all this stuff is connected and we're just going to, it's going to be like that. It's there's, that's how people are going to die, right? Direct ways and, but mostly in direct ways and the failure of human systems and, and human and political conflict. But it's wild that I think a lot of right-wing national right-wing nationalism is directly caused by the effects of, of climate change and a warming planet. Uh, whereas a lot of these nationalists, especially in the United States, but in, in Europe too, are actually completely anti-science and don't even believe in man-made climate change. So it's kind of like their political identity, probably more than their political identity, is sort of centered around uh, things that have happened because of climate change that they don't even believe in climate change. That's kind of a wild kind of headspace for, for these people to be in. Well, who was it? Who was it that said um, the scare something scarier than a than a than a far right nationalist movement that doesn't believe in climate change is one that does? Right, uh, <laughs> uh, eco fascism. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, there's been particularly after the um, uh, the New Zealand and El Paso shootings, um, uh, where those those people explicitly identified as eco fascists. Um, right and connected uh, immigration politics specifically to um, environmental degradation. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about that. And that's a, I mean, there's a, there's a long history there. Um, yeah. John Tanton and yeah. 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 Stuff. Yeah. Uh, that, that we could talk about and, and it's sort of, um, it sort of goes back uh, to even questions in the late 19th, early 20th century about um, sort of um, Malthusian anxieties about resource scarcity um, and the necessity for uh, Lebensraum, right, of living room for certain populations threatened by um, or seen to be threatened by um, other populations, right? That's a pretty terrifying line of thought. It's, um, yeah, and it's, and it's not, it's a, it's a live one. Um, people, you know, there's, there's a live uh, conversation around um, the ideas of people like Penti Linkola, the, the, the Finnish, um, it's also self-identified sort of eco-fascist um, and um, sort of adulation for uh, Theodore Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Um, and it sort of combines a kind of, of anti-technology Ludditism with um, a kind of, not always, but 
often a kind of biological um, nationalism, but anyway, an ethno-nationalism. Um, and it is also connected with um, a kind of um, the conservation, right, environmentalism. Um, yeah, and so um, that's another right concern is that, um, is that as the situation, as the, as the manifest evidence for global climate change um, becomes uh, more and more something that is present in a day-to-day -day way, I, you know, one can imagine one possibility. You can see it opening up in certain ways, being that um, uh, right-wing um, nationalist rhetoric would uh, capture uh, um, climate change as a, a, a motivation and a, a sort of um, unifying, unifying set of ideas, um, a reason to close the border, a reason to um, Sort of like how we're doing right now with uh, we're blaming China, you know China yeah. for for the coronavirus. Yeah. So let me let me ask you then. Um, sure. Because we like to think uh, that fascism was defeated in in the in the forties. You know, we we, we mm -hmm. did away with it. It was it was decidedly defeated in a in a world war. Um, but history might not be that linear. And do you do you think that? Um, do you think that democracy is capable of dealing with this this issue of climate change in a way that keeps fascism at bay? Um, the short answer is no. The the um, yeah. Uh, you know, again, I sort of have to go back to the to the issue of the. Um, sort of immensely complicated um, political and social technology that we live within um, and the kind of weird uh, mishmash that is uh, the weird hybrid technology that is the U.S. government and the Constitution, right, and, and the and U.S. Uh, law and how it, how it works and how it's manipulated by um elites uh for different purposes and and the fact that you know none of this is monolithic it's we're really in any situation what in any political situation what we're looking at is different uh interest groups uh with their own goals trying to achieve those in collusion with or in competition with other groups um you know so trying to achieve anything uh it is uh is going to be a process of uh, compromise and negotiation and and political infighting um, and electoral competition and all these different layers. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a real question whether or not what we call democracy in the U.S. is even like functionally a democracy or uh, um, whether or not it's so deeply broken that um, it, it, well, just as it a political, it, it can't even. What's that? Just as a political system generally around the world, as it manifests. <sighs> political system generally. I mean, I don't. Um, it doesn't seem like it, right? Um, it doesn't seem that that democracy, uh, as as we understand it, is um, capable of. Um, of addressing uh, the global issue, right, of, of climate change and ecological collapse. Um, you're a father. I don't know, yeah. And you're, you're, and you're a father. You have a, you have a kid. I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I'm... I, I struggle with, uh, you know, anxiety about the future and sometimes a feeling of despair and um, often 
um, the real question of like how of how of what choices to make today now in relation to what seems to me uh, um, a wildly unknowable and like profoundly unknowable future. Um, and I don't, I can't say that I have any, any good answers really about any of it. Um, except uh, some faith that human beings uh, find ways to make meaningful lives in, in even the worst circumstances, right? Human beings, we live together in groups and we make meaning um, and we do that in, in profoundly difficult situations and we do that in places where we can thrive um, and we're a very hardy species. Uh, you know, I think human beings will hang on for a long time um, and continue to have meaningful lives uh, with some, some joy or comfort in them. Um, it's just whatever future we're headed for, the thing is, is that, and this is something I talk about in Learning to Die and I talk about elsewhere, is that like, even in the best case, right? Even if, even in the, even if Joe Biden saves us, right? Um, what that means is a world that is radically different from the one that we live in now. Um, it would be a world without oil as we, as we understand it, right? It would be a world so, like, the, the, just the, the human social forms that have developed uh, out, of, out of petroculture, like, just are not, not sustainable. And so in that, in that possible utopian future, even that is like a, a completely different world that I can't, there's no way we can know what that would be like. I don't think we're going there. I think we're headed to a completely unknowable, much grimmer place, um, you know? I, and so in some sense, um, and this is where I, some of my thoughts been going, going more lately, there's a kind of, um, it's a kind of apophatic futurism. Like it's a, sometimes, uh, you know, the best I think that we might be able to commit to is, is a future, even if, not even if, but a future defined by the fact that we have, we cannot say in advance what it will be like, right? Human beings, human societies, human cultures will have whatever, whatever exists there will be different from what, what we know today. There will be different values. There will be different forms of organization. There will be different um, ways of being together, some of which we might um, today consider abhorrent. Um, and they, in the future, right, our future, our, our sons and daughters or grandsons and granddaughters or, our, you know, whoever that is, whatever humans that are, they are, there are that live in the future, they might look back at us and say, we were, you know, what we did, the way we lived was abhorrent and unimaginable. Um, you know, it's just, it's going to be different there in the future. Just like if you look back now at like different moments and, you know, you look at Greek mystery cults or you look at the Aztec empire or you look at even medieval Europe or you look at, you know, just different modes of human organization. It's, they're radically different from the way we think and feel and live now, right? And that's, that's the future. It's just, it's on the other side of um, um, uh, great and massive uh, chaos. Well, that's 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 pleasantly grim. <laughs> um, uh, so, I guess the last question I would I would ask uh, is something that all of us noticed is that your book you take sort of. Um, not I, I don't want to say dismissive, but but sort of negative view of how activism is uh, 
carried out, I guess, uh, in, mm-hmm. you know, in, in these, cur- in this current moment, um, and you cite the climate march and how it's yeah. very, con- it's like controlled opposition. Um, yeah. Do you think that that is, be- when you look at the, um, the current protests going on around the country now, do you think yeah. that, that, that that is changing that the controlled model that we've seen for, um, the last decade is, is maybe, is maybe changing? I, um, I mean, I'm not, I think it's, it's clear that, um, especially with the, uh, conditions created, um, by the, with the social and economic conditions, um, created by the, uh, COVID pandemic, um, that there's a great deal of unrest. Um, and, uh, yeah, it seems like there's, there's increasing, um, instability, um, in, uh, how in the systems of control, right. In the systems of control, um, you know, and Trump himself is a, is a, and the way he's been doing things is, is a chaos agent that introduces his own in, the other instabilities into the system. Um, you know, nevertheless, um, the kind of, it seems to me that the kind of broad spectrum, um, coalition, I guess, of, um, what we would call, you know, neoliberal corporate rulership, uh, and the militarized police and, um, the, the sort of the way that money works in politics. Like if you take that all, um, and, and look at it in relation to, today's unrest or um, basically any period over the, um, I don't know, last 50 years or whatever, it's remarkably resilient and stable. And um, the, the, the system in place, uh, capitalism, whatever you want to call it, um, seems remarkably able to, uh, to uh, co-opt and incorporate and, and defang, right, resistance. Um, and then, and that which it cannot incorporate or defang, it, it just locks up or kills. Um, and it seems really, really effective. Um, and I don't think that I've seen, I can't say that I've seen like a level of resistance that seems to threaten that. Um, I mean, if you, you know, I hate to. To always go back to violence but if you look i mean if you look at the 60s and you look at you know um what was going on there even there was much more um it seemed like the the threat to the system was actually much greater than um and and also the um the kind of response from the system um, or at least if not, if the threat wasn't greater then at least, um, it seemed like, um, there was more commitment to, um, kick, kick loose this, the, this, the actual stability of the system. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say too much because I'm not, there's a lot going on now, um, that I'm not, uh, it's hard to follow everything closely and that there's, there's protests and resistance happening all across the country daily. Um, and I don't, I don't have a fine grained sense of what the fuck's going on. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but I, it doesn't seem like, um, you know, it seems like the system is, is still capable of defending itself. Well, Thank you so much for taking yeah. taking time out of your day. Uh, we, yeah. we we really do appreciate it. Um, and if I don't let you go now, I will just 
talk your ear off for the next hour <laughs> right. and a half. So, so thank yeah. you. Thank you again um, from, from all of us. Uh, we hope that you will consider coming back on, uh, hopefully maybe with the, yeah. you know, as, as this, as, because this issue issue isn't going anywhere and, um, yeah, no, we definitely want <laughs> to stay on it. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on and, and, uh, I hope I wasn't too, too gloomy. Uh, maybe in, you know, in five years you can have me on and I can, I get to talk about how wrong I was about everything. That would be amazing. <laughs> Well, one one thing that you did that you said that I loved was that humans can still live rich, meaningful, joyful, engaged lives yeah. even under the most difficult circumstances. Yeah. So hope. That that's that's yeah. the, that's the best I can do for hope is right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. So that's something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is, yeah, there is something to be said for living in the present right? Uh, and being the kind of whole mindfulness thing, as well as of course, being realistic about what's coming. Uh, yeah. What's happening now. But yeah, thanks so much for, for coming on uh, and for your books. I look forward to reading the other four or five that you wrote in the last yeah. five years. Remarkably. <laughs> it's been a busy, it's been a busy yeah. few years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's like I said, it's been a pleasure and, and I, I appreciate, uh, the work you're doing with your podcast and and uh being a part of the conversation thank you very much great take care yeah. take it easy thank you Roy. bye okay audio editing by alex koch original music by direwolf If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your casts, please consider becoming a paid subscriber on Patreon. For five bucks a month, you'll get access to premium episodes, which will often be interviews with politicians, candidates, reporters, authors, and professors. So, if you can, please pitch in at patreon.com slash gildedage. 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 Gildedage.